Our scripture reading this morning does come from two portions of Isaiah chapter 7 and then chapter 8. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Jair Yashuv, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Retzin and Syria and the son of Ramalia. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy." Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, they shall fall and be broken, they shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples." I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Well, Merry Christmas! Ever since July, in most of the retail stores around town, you walk in and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I went to Costco at the beginning of August I was looking at some patio furniture there that I saw the week before. And when I went back to possibly purchase the patio furniture in August, uh, it was replaced with a life-size manger set that was there along with all the Christmas ornaments down that aisle. And so then I kind of felt guilty thinking I was going to spend money on maybe a patio set. Maybe I should put money on something more spiritual 
So I bought the manger set. So come on over to the house and you guys can see that. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You know, the, everywhere you go and everything that you see, they're trying to give us signs that Christmas is coming. And even if you don't go out to the malls, you'll get it at your house. This is the Target, the Target Holiday Spectacular uh, that will come to your house. And you'll be able to get ready for Christmas. You know, one of the things I really appreciated about this, because it's really true of who I am, it says on the mailing label, uh, valued, valued Target guest. I don't think most of you got that. I got that. Valued <laughs> Target guest. Beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You know, the more I read the scriptures, we are opened up to the fact, our eyes start to see that God has been preparing for Christmas from the very beginning, especially since the fall of man, especially in our brokenness, that he is preparing for Christmas and has prepared from the beginning of time to give us a sign that Christmas is coming. God is the original guy who was setting stuff out for Christmas way early to get us ready. He would be the guy in your neighborhood that's putting up Christmas lights in August. And then he would be the guy who leaves them up all year long. You got that guy? God was the first one to do that. And you can't help but look at those Christmas lights. Look at those decorations. And in your heart go, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's what the Lord wants us to see in his scriptures. And we're going to see it a lot in Isaiah. Isaiah gives prophecy, much prophecy about our Lord and especially about Christ Jesus. And I pray this morning as we look at Isaiah's chapter 7 and 8 that we will start to see especially Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us, that we will see Jesus that we will know His presence today and that we will receive the present of Emmanuel, God with us. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that Your Holy Spirit will pour out upon us. I pray that we will see You that our eyes will be open, that no matter what situation, that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas because you are with us. And Father, may we know that. May you minister to our hearts that truth this morning. We thank you for Isaiah. We thank you for the good word that he gives us. Speak to us this morning, I pray, in your precious name. Amen. Have you ever felt attacked from all directions? You ever felt like you've had pressure coming in all around you? You're not quite sure how you're going to escape the situation you're in, the dilemma that you're facing. You're wondering how you're going to move through it, and your life begins to be filled with fear. You ever been in that situation? 
Maybe you're in it this morning. I was in that situation in reality, literally, attacked from all angles when I was in high school. I had my French cousin, his name was Manu. Uh, he was visiting. And uh, we went to a mall uh, called Fashion Island in San Mateo. Fashion Island was like the mall that everybody hung out on. Had an ice skating rink, movie theaters, the whole bells and whistles. You know, Chuck E. Cheese was there. Come on. It was the mall of malls, Fashion Island was. And so I took him there, and Manu is, uh, just to give you an idea of frame size, he was, he was about uh, five, six, maybe 130 bills. You know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't this specimen of athletics. Uh, he was a drummer in a band. He always wore these uh, Ramon t-shirts. He had dozens of them, uh, the band, the Ramones. And uh, so as we went to the mall that night, he picked one of his, one of his 12 and uh, wore that. And I wore my football jersey, which was the cool thing to do back in the day. And so we went to Fashion Island together and, and enjoyed, enjoyed our time there. And then as we're leaving Fashion Island, we're coming outside. It's dark outside. And we're coming alongside of a, a uh, bus stop. And, um, and I'm, I'm talking uh, with Manu. And we're just having a good time. And all of a sudden, a guy comes out of nowhere and, and slams me. There's a, there's a glass bus stop. He slams me into the bus stop. And I was bigger than he was. And so I grabbed him. And we are, we are locked around. I spin him around. And we're, we're locked horns like rams, you know. And we're going after it. And he's like, dude, you were looking at my girlfriend in the mall and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, trust me. I wasn't looking at your girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. What do you, you know, and I started giving him some words. And so we're holding on to each other. Next thing I know, next thing I know, I'm surrounded by 12 guys, Manu and I, 12 guys. And as I'm, as I'm locked horns with this guy, I'm looking around and I realize, oh my goodness, this is the South San Francisco football team that we beat two weeks ago. And there's this, there's this, there's this Samoan guy on my, on my side over here. And if you know Samoan guys, most of the Samoan guys I know are really strong and big. And you just don't mess with Samoan guys. This guy, this guy was 6'5", high school guy. 6'5", he was at least 300 bills. He was just a big old lineman. And so I've got the one guy in my arms, and he just clocks me, the Samoan fella. Boom, right, right, drops me. I go to my knees. Next thing you know, the guys are kicking me and beating on me. I look just to my left. I'm trying to cover up. I look to my left, and I see Manu, you know, big Manu, five foot six, 130 pounds. I see him over here like this. <laughs> and I cry out, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, we are dead. We are dead. And so they start beating on us and kicking, and they're beating Manu. And, and out of nowhere, we're in a pretty dark area of the mall in the parking lot. Out of nowhere comes Paul Blart, mall cop. <laughs> but he's, he's got guns. He's got guns. This, this cop had guns. And they come, and actually there's two of them, and they come and they, they pull their guns, and they're like, break it up. And so the guys break it up, and, and those cops that night uh, saved us. They delivered. We were getting the tar beat out of us. And we gave statements, and... You know, we were really shaken, bloody and shaken. And we get, we get home and we're, 
again, just trying to recover, and we're talking to my mom, and, and we're so thankful that God saved us. God saved us. And she goes, well, Rod, she goes, don't you know Manu, your little French cousin, Manu, that's his shortened name for Emmanuel, God with us. It was a sign from God. He truly was with us. He saved us in the middle of the attack. And he delivered us. In the middle of our attack and in the middle of great fear, God wants to step in with his presence. And he wants to do that with King Ahaz as we look into Isaiah 7. He wants to have a relationship with Ahaz and draw him near. He desires for Ahaz to be the king of Judah that he's intended to be, one who is worshiping the Lord God Almighty, the holy God, lover of our souls, sovereign above all gods. And he longs to draw him near, but Ahaz's heart and the heart of the people are not filled with the glory of God like Isaiah was, like he encountered the Lord in Isaiah 6 that we saw where the hem of God's robe filled the temple. Almighty God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah was not filled with that sense. He's filled with unbelief. But the Lord wants him to see him. He wants him to know him. But he's living right in the middle of the fear. Let me, let me show you a map to show you kind of the historical situation of what's going on with Isaiah. So what's happening is, and why he's filled with fear. So Isaiah is the kingdom of Judah, all right? The, the yellow orange color there. And Isaiah, excuse me, uh, Ahaz is the king of the southern kingdom where Jerusalem is. And then to the north, you have Israel. And what's happening is Israel and Syria are forming an, an allegiance because they're feeling pressure from Assyria, the great empire of Syria who's going to come in and, and really do some damage. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to strong arm uh, Ahaz and Judah to join them. He won't. And so they decide, we're going to, word's gotten out, we're going to come and attack to the south. So Ahaz is feeling all of this. He's feeling all of this pressure. He's feeling attacked from every direction that is going on. And the scriptures say that he and the nation, as they're hearing that there's going to be attack upon them, they are shaking like trees in the wind. I love that image because that's very human, isn't it? We get that way in the middle of fear. And so what does God do? He knows he's fearful, and so he sends Isaiah to speak to him and to remind him, Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So here's what happens. Ahaz is out. He's at the watering place. He's checking the water lines of what's going on. And the Lord says, listen, I want you to go, uh, Isaiah, and I want you to take your son with you. And as you take your son, Sher Jashuv, take him to the aqueduct at the upper pool by the washerman's field. God is going to use Isaiah and his son, Jashuv, to say this. And what his name means, the son's name means, is a remnant remains. A remnant 
remains. There will always be a remnant in God's economy. No matter how bad the situation, God will have a remnant. There will be a people who will hold on to His truth. There will be a people who will follow. God has a remnant. He will be a deliverer. And there will be a people who will be saved. So bring your son and go meet him where he's looking at the water lines. Go speak truth to him that God is with us. And use your son and his name to reveal that truth. I love, I love scriptures and how they're worded. You know, as I read this, go out, take your son and go down to this place. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Idaho, early Idaho days of the, of the farmlands that were out here, right? It's like, hey, listen, you're looking for Ahaz? Oh yeah, he's, he's just go down, take a ride at Farmer Bob's mailbox. You know the one down there. It's right by the chicken coops. That's going to soon be named Chicken Dinner Road, but take a right also at the chicken coops. Then you go down 200 yards from there, and right near the duck pond, you know the duck pond, right near there you're going to find Ahaz hanging out. This is what it's like. This is where he'll be. And so he goes out. And look at God's word to him, verses 4 and on. And say to him, here's what the Lord is speaking to us in the middle of our fear. Say to him these words, Be careful... Keep on your guard. Be quiet. Be calm. I really want you to hear those words this morning. Ahaz is scared to death. He's living in fear. The whole, all the people are living in fear. Ahaz, I want you to be quiet and be calm. What I think he's saying there is this. Don't react out of fear. Don't react out of fear. Isn't that the place we go so quickly? We have a job situation that's, that's a little bit scary. We're not sure how it's going to work out. And so we try to figure out within ourselves how we're going to fix it and make it right. And we react out of fear, hoping that we can resolve this in our own strength and with our own wisdom. We have a relational situation and we react out of fear Hear the words of the Lord this morning, and I I think they're for all of us. Be calm, be quiet. Be still and know that I am God, right in the middle of the situation that you're in, where I know you are filled with fear. Let me meet you there. Lean into me. Let me come to you and, and minister to your soul in the middle of your fear. I understand your fear. Let me come upon you and let my peace, which transcends all understanding, let it guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Let me do that work in you. Are you fearful this morning? I want to encourage you with the Lord's words. Do not fear. Guard your heart. Be quiet and calm. Don't grow faint. Because it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Emmanuel, God is with you. You need to know that this morning. He's not somewhere over there. He's right there with you in the middle of your fearful situation right now. Surrender that to Him. Seek the truth. Seek His wisdom. Get on your knees in prayer and say, God, respond to me. And let Him be the God He is, Emmanuel. And so He ministers to them. 
And he reminds and he speaks truth through Isaiah. Listen, Ahaz, these guys that you're afraid of, they're just two smoldering stubs. Do you see, do you see God's perspective? Isaiah, as he's speaking to Ahaz, Ahaz is shaking like a tree. He thinks this is a raging fire coming after him. And the truth is, it's two smoldering stubs. They're going to have no effect on you. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see with his eyes. Do you hear that? Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see with his eyes. That's not a raging fire. That's two smoldering stubs. I will not let it have impact on you. Hear from the Lord this morning. He promises and he says, it will not come to pass. Why? Because God is with us. I love this chapter too because it just pours out God's grace all over the place. You gotta understand something about Ahaz. Ahaz was a wicked king. Wicked. He was worshiping idols all over the place. He was bringing his children to be sacrificed to idols. Brutal sacrifice on little babies. He was doing that. He was taking gold from the temple we see in King 16. And he's, and he's taking that gold and he's offering it up to Assyria to kind of, hey, you know, will you protect me here? He's making alliances with the enemy, Assyria, who's going to wipe them out. He's an evil king. And yet God pours grace all over him. Shows up offering him an opportunity to trust in him. He shows up loving him. And reaching out to him. This evil, evil king. And yet while we were still sinners, right in the middle of all of our evil and yuck of life, Christ died for us. Do you see God's grace from the beginning of time? Do you see how God has been setting up? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Because Emmanuel, God with us, not only with us, but wants relationship with us and wants you to draw near and draw close. And in those times of fear, especially, draw even closer. Lean into our God who is strong and gives you rest for your souls. I want to grow your faith. If you're not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all, the Scripture says. And what that really means is if you don't step out in faith, if you do not have a faith, it's really no life. At all. There is no living. Everything that you're pursuing after is death. Place your faith in me, Ahaz. Place your faith in me, children of God. Let me be Emmanuel. I appreciate what Ray Orton says. He says, Faith is our God-awakened capacity to respond fully to Him, to Christ. We live not out of what is, but out of what is promised. Emmanuel, God with us, shows up. Isaiah speaks truth about Emmanuel. And here's what he says. He's allowing Ahaz for his faith to grow. Look at verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Opportunity to respond. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. Ask whatever you want. I want to give you a sign that God is with you. I want to give you something, Ahaz, a gift. 
that I'm present with you in this. And what does Ahaz say? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to put the Lord God to the test. Boy, that sure looks spiritual, Ahaz. The reality is it's, he's full of junk. He's trying to pretend to be pious and respond to Deuteronomy and the Scriptures of don't put, don't put the Lord God to the test. His heart is evil and nothing but evil. This is the same guy who's out doing child sacrifices. Oh, now let me put on my spiritual hat. Oh, I, I shouldn't test the Lord my God. And it just reveals his heart, doesn't it? God looks directly at our hearts, people. All of us. We could come to church every Sunday and look very godly, and yet our hearts are far from Him. If that's you this morning, He he wants to draw you close. Stop pretending. Really receive life from me. Receive me as your Lord and Savior. That's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. He rejects it. He rejects God is with you. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And the question you ask is, why in the world? Here God is offering everything, anything, to reveal Himself. Why would somebody turn that down? Why do our friends and family turn that down? Why do they reject that life-giving truth? That God is with you and wants relationship with you and loves you to the core. Why is that rejected? Well, I think for Ahaz, and I think for many of our friends who reject Jesus. They've been going so far away, he really isn't near at all, and and they've continued to reject, and and it's hard for them to hear his voice sometimes. Maybe Ahaz doesn't want to hear from God, afraid what he actually might hear from holy God, the God of his people. But I think the main reason, and I think the main reason that people reject Jesus, reject the Lord... And I think why Ahaz just said, no, I, I won't ask. It's because he didn't want to give up control. You see, when we say, okay, Lord, I surrender, I want to receive from you, that means we give up the reins. And I think for a lot of people like King Ahaz, they don't want to give up the reins of their life. They want to keep controlling where they're going with life. They don't want to surrender to God Because when we do, then we say, Lord, you lead my life. I am indebted to you. You died for my sin. You rose again. You conquered sin and death. And you offered to me the gift of life, of salvation. I received it. But if we do that, then we lose control. We don't get to rule our lives anymore. And people don't want that. And so Ahaz rejected the gift of life, the gift of God's presence. And he turned away. The question for all of us is, will we put our trust in the Lord in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our crisis, in the middle of our fear? Will we allow Him to be our defender? Will we allow Him to be our Savior? Will we put our trust in Him? He's reaching out to each and every one of us. As we read these next verses, we can start singing that song. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Let's keep humming that song this week. Look what he says in verse 14. Well, you're going to reject it, Ahaz, but therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, when you first read this, you go, yes, 
This is Christmas. We know this verse. We, we know this is Jesus. I've read it many times in, in the New Testament. God is going to give us a sign. It is God with us. But what is this verse saying to Ahaz and to the people of Judah in the time that it took place? Who is this virgin that is being spoken of? Is it Mary? Well, we need to look at it a little closer. And part of what we do as we study the Word is we really have to look at word studies sometimes. And in this case, it's, it's necessary. The Hebrew word here for virgin is, is Alma. It's actually an un, unusual name for virgin. It's not the name that's used most commonly. And it has the idea... Of, of a maiden, of a young woman who, who is of marrying age. And because she's a young woman and of marrying age, the, the indication is that she's probably chaste. She's probably a virgin. But he uses that particular word, which kind of leaves it open. It's not the idea of, of it's a woman who, like we think of with the Virgin Mary, that nobody touched her except for the Holy Spirit, and then was given a child through the Holy Spirit. It has a different meaning in the immediate context. But there will be a child that will be born to a maiden that will come to, before he reaches the age of accountability, the threat that was coming from the north will be wiped out. So here's what I think is happening in this verse. I think it's a prophecy that has dual meaning. Meaning for the immediate context of Isaiah's time. And then meaning for what we see in preparing for Christmas with Jesus. And so I want to show you that. In the immediate context, again, there's going to be this one that will be born. And I think it's fulfilled in chapter 8. Look at starting in verse 3. Then I went to the prophetess, this is Isaiah speaking, I went to my wife, basically, and she conceived and gave birth to a son, and the Lord said to me, name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For those of you with child, it may be something you want to consider. Before the boy knows how to say my father, my mother, the wealth of Damascus, the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. There will be destruction of the enemy of God before this child grows up. Who's the virgin in the context? Who's the maiden? I think it's Isaiah's wife. Who's the child that is born? Mahir Shalal Hashbaz, which means swift is booty, speedy is prey. And that's basically meaning the Assyrian Empire is going to come in and they are going to destroy those enemies from the north and they're going to have all the plunder and they're going to come swiftly. That's the child. But you say, well, it says the child's going to be named Emmanuel. Well, we need to look at that because Emmanuel isn't used throughout the Scriptures to give a specific name to somebody. It's used in, in verse 8 of chapter 8 as an address, right? It says what's going to happen is there's going to be this overflow that will pass on. It will reach to the neck, this flooding of water and outspread its wings to the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Or it's used in a sentence in verse 10. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. 
And this is actually in the sense of fear of God. For God is with us, Emmanuel. His judgment is coming. You know, we know when when Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, although the prophecy says his name will be Emmanuel, he was called Jesus, right? They didn't call him Emmanuel. The guys didn't. They called him Jesus. So the child that is born, Isaiah's son, comes forth with the message. Don't miss this. He is the one who was born with the message, Emmanuel. God with us. God is going to save you. He's going to deliver you from those enemies from the north. God with us. That will be the sign. And then the dual prophecy. Because Matthew, when he reads this, in one in chapter 1, he sees, oh, this is Jesus. God gives him those eyes. It's time to be ready, getting ready for Christmas. Because she will bear a son, Matthew says. His name will be called Jesus. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew sees it out of this prophecy out of Isaiah. It's the love story from the beginning of time. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. God is indeed with us. He delivers us from our enemies. And God is with us in a powerful way. And it's a way that we can't forget God is holy. And God is with us in our sin and in His righteous judgment. The people have rebelled against God. And He says, because they have rejected Me, I'm going to bring Assyria in. God is with us. He's a covenant God. And He's with His people. We break our covenant all the time, but God does not. And so He brings forth His righteous judgment upon His people. He doesn't want that. He wants in in verse 5 of chapter 8, Oh, I would love that they would drink of the waters of Shiloh, the gentle waters, that they would receive life from there. Isn't that Jesus? I'm living water. Oh, I wish that they would do that, but because they have rejected me, Assyria is going to come in. It's going to be like a raging flood. It's going to bring them all the way up to their necks. I think it's not above their head because I think that actually is a a thought about Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be spared at the time. God's righteous judgment upon His people. God is with us both in His presence and His love. And He's also with us when we reject Him. And He's trying to draw us back with righteous judgment. It's always, it's always a love story. It's always wanting us back. He doesn't want to be just with us, near us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to surrender His lives to Him. Will you draw near to God? Will you lean into Him? He wants to be with us. And Isaiah points out in chapter 8 these incredible contrasts. You can choose to reject Him, to walk away. But God calls Isaiah and He calls us, don't do that. Don't live in fear like these live in fear of all that's swirling around them. Don't live there, Isaiah. And Isaiah starts to open his eyes and he got to see God in the throne room and he he got to see God in His temple. The Lord God Almighty, verse 13 says, him you shall honor as holy. Ahaz and Judah had just placed God over to the side like he was of no value, that he wasn't holy. We can go worship other idols. We can live life this way and reject God. He says, no, don't do that. 
I've been wanting you to be in relationship with me from the beginning of time. I've been preparing for Christmas for you. And they give God no value. I read a pastor's blog where they were having a white elephant Christmas party. And they were opening it up and they're bringing out, you know, ugly Christmas sweaters and you know, all kinds of white elephant gifts. And then one woman who was at the staff Christmas party, she pulls up out of her bag baby Jesus in his manger. It was a white elephant gift. And the pastor and the family was so embarrassed and, oh my goodness, what happened? They, what happened is the bags were over on the, on the counter and baby Jesus somehow fell off the upper counter into one of the bags. But for a moment, baby Jesus was just a white elephant gift. That's the way Ahaz viewed God. And God says, oh no, that's not who I am. And Isaiah realized, I will not worship, I will not be afraid because God is with us. I will not fear what they fear because God is with us. I will learn to place my trust in the Lord because God is with us. And as I fear God, He will be my sanctuary. And in His sanctuary, it's filled with Christmas lights because it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we praise You that You are with us. That from the beginning of time, You have drawn near. And I pray that we would receive that this morning. Father, that we would not fear like Ahaz feared, but that we would draw near, we would fear You and You alone. And like Isaiah, Father, that we would come to a place where we wait upon You and that we place our trust in You. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Amen.